Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Good evening, everyone. My name is Eric. I'm the campus pastor. It's so good to be able to worship with you. And, you know, my this cold, I thought it was just allergy. And just the last couple of days, just it evolved into cold, but we rebuke it in Jesus' name. You know, years ago, it's not COVID. I tested it. Sorry. You, you guys are fine. Years ago, I, while well, I was, many years ago when I was in seminary, there was a mentor uh, ministry part of my degree. And this was the practical application of the very academic school. And they said, you need to get together with a mentor who knows more than you, who is in the heart of ministry so that you can prepare for what's to come. And in, in the pastor that I knew from originally from Maryland, he had planted a church right in smack in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It was in between MIT and Harvard. And because of the, uh, uh, the requirement, so I'm being mentored, I'm being sort of like groomed, and he had asked me to lead a Bible study. It was a Christian theology as their Bible study that was a requirement for their member, church membership class. And because of that this pastor's academic background, because of the church location smack between MIT and Harvard, it drew, like, all the academic people. PhD candidates of Harvard, MIT, investment bankers. I mean, and I confess, when I first got there, I felt like an outsider. I felt like, man, I don't belong here. There, the joke around Cambridge is you swing a cat, you're going to hit a PhD because they're just, they're everywhere. Everybody's so highly academic and all of that. But through this program, I realized I, who felt like an outsider, became an insider. I, who felt like I wasn't, I was less than them, felt like I was equal to even greater. As I became part of that community and I served, I began to realize my own giftedness and my own identity and what I was. Your sphere of influence, your community, those who speak into you, who you partner with, influence the way you think. And this was a miracle because if you knew me in high school, you would have never guessed I'm an academic type. I didn't even believe that. It was deeply buried. <laughs> but God has somehow brought it up, called me, and even called me into that seminary, which was highly academic at that time, and allowed me to see my own identity over time. But it took a community. It took those that I partnered with to bring out who I was, if that makes sense. Now, we're continuing in our Walk with a Father sermon series where in the past weeks we have looked at how God has a plan for you. And this plan is to bless you, not to harm you. It plans to give you hope in the future. And we looked at how Jesus came to give you life abundantly. This is a Zoe life that is beyond your own expectation. And so our Lord, our Son of God, went to the cross and paid for all our sins. And when he did that, he took away our curse. 
that was for us. He took our curse and then set us free and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. I'm like summarizing like the last month here. But this is the plan. God took away our curse, restored our authority, restored our identity. Then what does that make us? What are we to do in response to all of that? It's, it's wonderful news. It's great news. But, and we may agree, hey, I love the promises of God. I, I take that promise. I love the life that he has, you know, had for me. But how do I walk in victory? So all this truth is great, but how do we live it? What does that mean? So we're going to look at how Jesus lived and what we can learn from his example. How Jesus lived and what we can learn from his example. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to your phones and John 5, verse 19 through 23. I'm going to have it up for you in the ESV version, English Standard Version. And by the way, I don't know if you guys, what versions you guys study. I use all different kinds. There are times I just read and I go through the NIV, which is very good translation, up to 1984. The translations after 84, it became Zondervan. Some text became more liberal, not liberated. Um, But up to 1984, great translation. English Standard Version is when I go through Bible study. Yeah, I want more word-for-word translation. It's in the tradition of the NASB or American Standard Version. Great translation. If you need expounded to hear it in a fresh, the, the Passion Translation is also a very good translation. They all have their different purpose, okay? But read with me for John 5, 19 through 23. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son. Just as they honor the Father, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, consider this. Jesus, the Son of God, said, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of its own accord. First of all, whenever you see truly, truly, verily, verily, in the King James Version, it's amen, amen. Which means truth, truth. Truly, truly. Jesus only said that before any time that he was to bring a profound affirmation. Meaning, he did not just say it for the sake of a filler. Uh, Let me just say, barely, barely, truly true. No, he intentionally said it. What's following is very important. It's going to blow your mind. (laughs) And he said, the son can do nothing on his own accord. Think about that. The Son of God, God himself, declares the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Does that blow your mind? Like, is he self-confessing of his limitations? I don't think so. This truth comes from 
Son of God, God himself in the flesh, and he says, I have the power to give life. I have the authority. Um, but nothing apart from the Father. The omnipotent God is confessing, I can do nothing of my own accord. Now, he's not talking about his own limitation in power, but he's saying, I am not independent from the Father. He's talking about a relational aspect between the Son and the Father because his entire identity, his entire authority, his entire being and all that he does is an overflow of his oneness with the Father. It's all contingent upon his relationship. Just as the Father shows him, he does. Just as the Father revealed to him in words, he says. Just as the Father shows him, he, everything that Jesus is, is in oneness, in partnership with God, the Father. You might wonder, but can he just do something on his own, apart from the Father? Can he do whatever he wants? It, it, it's kind of the question that the Western Americans say, you know, as a famous Eric Cartman, I'll do whatever I want, you know. Anyways, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> but that's a very, very American thing. Teenager. It's the Generation X, Generation Y, or Millennials were us when we were of age, right? When we were the rebel without a cause. I'll do whatever I want. And it was usually to prove something of ourselves. To prove that I am my own person. I am strong enough. You can't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. But the heart behind I'll do whatever I want is independence. And Jesus is saying, I am not independent from the Father. This is a very profound insight. Because the way we have grown up in our Western American culture, I want to point out that this is not the norm around the world or has ever been. This is a very new thing, I think, especially in the 21st century. But let me just bring to your attention. In the Eastern, Western culture, it's about independence, right? And this is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is, uh, just something that I had observed from my friends growing up. My friends said, man, my parents are telling me i got to get my own place after I turn 18. And it, you may have seen that, but back in my day when I was younger, it was a, I had many friends looking. Right after they graduate, right after high school, they're off to college or off to finding a job to find their own place. And what they have been taught is that in the first 18 years, you have been groomed so that you can be self-sufficient. You can be your own person. You can do and live the world, right? The parents groom them to be independent so that they can show self-sufficiency. On the other hand, the Eastern culture, that's the Western culture that, again, this is just from my observation. Eastern culture is completely different. In the Eastern culture, they see the family as holistic. They don't want the kids to leave. And if the kid ever says, I'm going to leave and I'm going to you know, have my own place, we shame them from leaving. <laughs> oh, you don't love me. You're going to leave me to die all by myself. It, it, it's, 
<laughs> but consider that. The Eastern culture looks at family as a whole that is never to be apart. And until, okay, even you grow old way past 18, they still look at you as a child. You are not your own person until you get married. And even after marriage, you're not your own person. It's a marriage of families. Uh, that's the mindset. And, and so the view is you are not living. Why? Because you are my retirement portfolio. <laughs> okay, I'm oversimplifying and I'm joking, but um, it is true. The parents invest everything into the child so the child has everything to succeed and so that the child takes care of the parents and everything. Right? That's a mindset. So American mindset is independence. Eastern mindset is dependence. It's a transfer of dependence from one generation to the net another. So which is better? Western mindset or Eastern mindset? Hey, this is not a voting here. Because you guys are all wrong. Let me just say, from the biblical perspective, it's not independence or dependence. It's interdependence. Biblical perspective is interdependence. Interdependence is when one who could be independent and self-sufficient chooses to be in a dependent or interdependent relationship. Consider the independent mindset of the Western culture, right? Why do they think that independence is better? Because it's about self-sufficiency. It's about capability. It's about raising you up so that you are self-sufficient. And with that mindset, they think, okay, if independence is about sufficiency, then dependence, they may say, is weakness or incapable, right? So it's a negative view. So the positive of our culture is it's all about the independence because it's about strength, it's about self-sufficiency and all of that. Interdependence is that. It's not that you cannot be independent or self-sufficient. You choose to be in a relationship with a father, not because you need to depend, but choose to out of love. That's the biblical model. What does that mean? If we are who are self-sufficient, we who could be independent if we want, because I see around room, there's talent, there's capability, achievements, intelligence, a lot, a lot of things here in this room. You can be independent, but God has given you free will. And within the free will, you are free to do whatever you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But why should we choose to be in an interdependent model with God? And that's the question. Jesus Christ, God himself, had all authority, all capability, and he never had to act like in any way to prove his identity or his worth to anyone. But he chose to be in a 
relationship, interdependent model with the Father. So what does that mean? Well, we are free to do whatever we want in our identity. It's the overflow of the free will choice that God has given to this whole world. But we choose to be in an interdependent model with a father. And when we choose to be in that interdependent model with a father, that means that we partner with him in all things. From our identity, consider that, our identity is changed where we become sons and daughters. And when we realize our identity and who our father is, then it changes the entire scope of our, who we are and our thinking that overflows into our decision-making and our thinking, our thought process, and impacts our plans and actions. Once we know who we are in the identity, then we can plan according to, consistent to our identity. Just as Jesus Christ, the God himself, from his identity was an overflow, not to prove his identity, but to show what the Father showed, what the Father said to speak, what the Father gave him the authority to do. He gave life, and he did all of that, and it was all depending on the Father. And what was the outcome? He was holy. He was righteous. He was honored. Everything was good. It was not about Jesus proving his identity or proving his worth of anything. It was just inconsistent to his identity. And that's, you know, we've been talking about identity back in December. We're talking about walking with the Father here and now. The only way you will realize God's plan for you is to be in an interdependent model where you are the son and you are walking hand in hand with the father. You cannot know his plan for you until you walk hand in hand with the father. Until he influences your thinking, influences your decision making, influences who you are. Unless he shows you what to say and what to do. And what, you cannot live the life that God has said. I have a life and plans for you. It is only when we join him in the partnership relationship. Consider what partnership is in this world. Just secular business model partnership. In a business, when you have multiple partners, individual partner does not it, make decisions on their own. It is when they're gathered together with other partners and come into an agreement, can decisions be made that move them forward. Okay? Individuals cannot do anything. It's when they're coming together in that partnership. When there is an agreement, there is power and there is authority. Problem arise when one partner wants to go left and the other partner wants to go right. It's when the disagreements happen where the partnership fails. We can say that we are believers. That we embrace our identity as children of God, as God's sons and daughters. But we have seen many self-proclaimed Christians who do not partner with God. You can see maybe in your own life or in the people that we know. People who are involved in relationship they had no business being involved with. Or get into a business they should have never been involved with. Or do things on their own without partnering with God. God has given us free will. And it wasn't wrong for them to do so. God says, you can do whatever you want. But partnership is the voluntary humility to say, I partner with what you want. You show me what is the better. 
Our free will choices without God is living independently apart from the Father. You know, looking back during the precious years I used to live with my parents, I remember that my decisions were never my own. It's not that they didn't let me, because I knew that my decisions impact those I live with. My decisions, my actions impact those around me. And as young and foolish as I was, I knew what I do impacts. Meaning, I could not just have anybody over our house without impacting the comfort of those who live in the same household. And even bigger life decisions, I knew that my decisions impact my parents or my family. When you live with someone, when you are living in a under the same household, you impact everyone else around you, and they impact you. The problem with the Western church is that we live independently, and we see God up there, and we're down here, and it's out of sight, out of mind. And we think that we can live independently because God is nowhere around because we don't see him. But that's far from the truth. Because God is everywhere, amen? Consider these past couple of years as the world has been enduring this COVID and its impact and the closures. When this COVID first started happening and people didn't know what to do, we see government shutting down, some cities still doing so, shutting down churches, shutting down, keeping people from gathering together to even worship God. And, and during the, especially the early stages, I remember reading articles that said that, and this was like almost overnight and when I was at the other church, like we had no streaming. We had no, we didn't have any of that. Literally over one week, and we were like scrounging up our phones and trying to m- make a system to stream. And it, it, there were so many quality, bad hiccups along the way. But we did what we had to do because that's all we knew. We just had to react. But during that time, people just stopped coming. Not only did they stop coming, even when it was reopened, they stopped coming. Because they were like, we'll just stream. It's okay. And then the articles came out saying that if you had membership of 100, one-third of them are joining you in streaming. The other third is watching you streaming and they're watching other church. Then the last third, they're just not streaming at all. They may say that they're coming, they're watching you, but they're not. Meaning only one-third were committed in partnership with their local church that they were involved with. And people have been leaving the church altogether. Because out of sight, out of mind, I can do whatever I want. And I partner with whatever I want. I'm not telling you what to do, and I'm certainly not guilting you. I'm just saying there is free will. We are free to live. But we choose to partner with what we value. We choose what is important to us. And we have the freedom to choose because God has allowed us to do that. We make life decisions of where we live, uh, what jobs we get, maybe especially for our kids because we value our kids, right? 
We choose to strategize to be in some place so that our kids can get the education or to be in the school district or whatever it may be because we value our kids. Or we choose certain jobs. Or if for those who financially are able, they choose to buy a certain brand because they appreciate quality, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is people choose to pay more or do things of what they value. They invest in what they value. And if God is important, even if the government told you you can't, you will rise and partner with God no matter what. And we have seen throughout history where people have been told, you can't worship God. You will give up your life. And they said, no, over my dead body, literally. They've been arrested. They've been hung. They've been crucified. They've been burned, taken through the fire, literally. And they said, I choose Christ. We choose what we value. If you value your life, I can tell you that it's not working hard or working longer hours that will give you the quality of life. If you want the quality of life that God has set forth for you, you have to partner with God. You have to partner with God, and he will lead your mindset. He will lead to the right place. He will lead you to the right relationship. He will lead you to the right doors that you can walk through. It is only when we partner with God do we know his will for us in our lives. I share with many times how I proposed to my lovely wife, right? It's a funny story, and you guys heard it. It's funny, but I'll give you a short synopsis, though. <laughs> I came to a point where I said, God, I need a wife. I was 35, 30, 35 almost 36 years old. Yeah, I came to a late decision. <laughs> I'm pastoring, I'm ministering, and I knew I had my limitations and how I can minister, especially to women. And I said, God, in my 35 years, I have carpet diem. I pursued what looked good to me, and I could, did not find the right person. So, Lord, you be my matchmaker. You set me up, whoever you say is good for me, I will trust you, and I will marry her. Within 24 hours of that, conversation with God, I get an email that she responded to my old email that's like months old, okay? I haven't even seen this girl in five years. She responded to an email that I had sent like months before, to an, to an email address that she didn't even like check, you know, maybe a couple times a year. She emails me back, and I knew I was going to marry her because it was in response. Hey, there's a longer story to this, but I Skyped her every night to pray. And then after a month, I'm like, I'm going to marry her. Then I said, oh, can you send me a picture? I, I kind of forgot what she looked like. She sent me a picture. I ah, I can deal with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now nah, I'm kidding. You know what she looked like. Come on. I fly over to Korea. After 10 days of dating, I proposed, and she was crazy enough to say yes. Because I partnered with God, and he set me up. And when you obey and you partner with God, what I'm saying is God blesses you. I mean, come on now. Look at this. She got a prince. I got a princess, but she got a prince. How good is God to bless us with the good things in life? 
Amen. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there is reward for those who partner with God. There is reward for those who trust in the Father as the partner who loves you, who cares for you. And I, uh, part of that story is this. I said, God, whoever you set me up with, I'll marry. But after I got off, I, I, I was going to say get off the phone with God. <laughs> after I got off the floor from prayer, I started sweating. I said, what if he sets me up with someone ugly? What if she's not my type? And I did. For a moment, I had cold sweat. Like, I said blindly, Lord, whoever you set me up, I'm going to marry. And I was being honest. But then I remember, no, God is good. God knows my type. God knows what I value. And he won't play a joke like that on me. No, think about it. We are cruel enough to play jokes on our brothers and sisters and like, ha, and, and get a laugh. But God's not like that. He plays jokes, but it won't be bad jokes. Come on. I got a princess. What I'm saying is this. God says, I have a plan for you. Do you believe that plan is good? The Bible says, Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. That's God's heart. Listen, I'm not going to play a bad joke on you. My plan is to give you shalom. And within that shalom is this overabundant life that is free from sickness, free from poverty, free from brokenness of this world. He's saying, the original blessed plan I have for Adam and Eve is my plan for you because I have removed that curse. I have removed that pain. I have removed all of those things because I want to give you shalom. To experience that life, you have to partner with God who gave that life, who promised the promise. Partnership is coming into agreement, which means... When you want to go left and God says to go right, it's probably better that you go right. The moment you want, you ask God, which way should I go? And he tells you right. And he says, I really want to go left. That's when we fall into trouble. Especially when we still go left after we hear right. How many of you guys have ever done that and regretted it? That's not partnership. That's treating God as a genie in a bottle. It's like, God, bless my left. Because I don't want to go right. But son, go right. But God, bless my left. Because that's my decision. That's what I want. That's not partnership, folks. Partnership is humbling ourselves to say, Lord, I partner with your will. It's not what I want. It's not my will, but just as a son, God himself said, I only say what, I, what the Father shows me, what I only do. What I, he did not prove anything, and he got everything right. And this is a friendly reminder, because we all should know this, but we need to be reminded sometimes. Sometimes we look for fresh revelation of God, and we go into prayer and hear and something. But if you hear something that contradicts the word of God from the Bible, it's probably not God. 
right? I'm just saying, you got to know your Bible, which is the Word of God, inspired Word of God, and the very basic foundation of our faith, to know if you hear something that contradicts God's will. you got to know the Bible. you got to read your Bible. you got to study the Bible. you got to know God's Word for you first. And then you can get that fresh revelation. You can go ask the Lord, yeah, is this left and right? It doesn't show in the Bible. But, Lord, I, I partner with you. you got to get the foundation right. If you, if you don't have the foundation, you have nothing. You just have an opinion of your own life, and you may be independent from the Holy Spirit, and you have no clue because you don't even know God as your Father. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. And I just want to invite you guys. God's heart for you is to bless you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. His invitation has always been and, and is still available. No matter where you've been or what you have done, it does not matter. Jesus Christ paid it all. There are some consequences of your own choices that you may be still living, but God can redeem all of that. But you have to come into partnership with the Father, being one. And humble yourself. Repent if you have to. And repentance is saying, just acknowledging, God, I made a foolish mistake. And I need you, your help. Help me. And you come into an agreement with the Father. And listen. And then to obey. If disobedience was the way you fell into the cliff, it is the obedience that would take you out, not further disobedience. You have to correct your mistakes. You have to come back to God's will in your life. And some of you guys may need some additional help right now. It may be easy as maybe you in your own seat to pray and God save me. But if you can't do that, you may need the ministry team to be able to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can't partner with someone that you don't know. And this team can lead you to that relationship. There's a lot I don't know. I'm still growing in faith, folks. But there are some foundational steps that we take that initiates the progress of our faith to our Father God. So I want you to make your own decisions right now. If you need to come and to receive ministry and prayer, if you are sick, if you're needing just the loving touch from our God, just come and receive. I want to pray for you. I want to pray blessings for you and to lead you to God's will. Remain seated, but will you just lift up your hands? Just open palms up to the sky that says, I'm just ready to receive, Lord. Jesus, these are your sons and daughters that you love so much, that you came and you died for them, and you have made a way for their everlasting life, and even life here and now. They don't have to die to receive the life, full life that you have set forth, but life right now in the present day. And we confess sometimes we have wandered to the left and to the right apart from you, living independently. 
And we confess, Lord, we have made some decisions that did not honor you. And I ask that you would redeem all of that right now in Jesus' name. Redeem whatever poor decisions, redeem any poor relationship, redeem any poor outcomes, the fruit of what we have sown into. But Lord, right now, today, we're making a decision for a new life, and that is the life that you have set forth before the beginning of time, and that is we just partner with you, whatever that may be. We partner with you, and then you set us up. You create the opportunity. You open the doors to allow us to go to the plan, to enter into the plan of your life. You are redeeming right now, in Jesus' name, upon my brothers and sisters. And I pray for opportunities for my brothers and sisters to walk through, to enter in to your shalom. I thank you that they're here tonight in the resting place. I pray for rest upon them. I pray for shalom upon them. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you and give you peace. God is gracious to you and has given you victory. Go forth from here, from victory to victory, from glory to glory, for he is with you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.